Heavenly Father, we thank you for your presence with us already this morning. And we ask your presence once more for a few more crumbs to fall from your table. Though we be tired in the body, we pray that you would keep us alert and listening to your word, that every one of us may go home filled and knowing what your will is for us in our lives. We ask and invite these, all these things and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> <coughs> For this afternoon's meditation, I'd like to read from the chapter that we read this morning, the chapter after, which is John chapter 8. So this morning we had John chapter 7. I'd like to continue on with John, the Gospel, chapter 8. Jesus went unto the Mount of Olives, and early in the morning he came again to the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they say unto him, Master, this woman was taken in the adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us, that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground, as though he heard them not. <clears throat> so when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground, and they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know not whence I came and whither I go. But ye cannot tell whence I come and whither I go. Ye judge after the flesh, I judge no man. And yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone, but I and the Father sent, that sent me. It is also written in your law, that the testimony of two men is true. I am one that bear witness of myself, and the Father that sent me beareth witness of me. <clears throat> then said they unto him, Where is thy father? Jesus answered, <clears throat> Ye know the, neither know me nor my father. 
If ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. These words spake Jesus in the treasury, as he taught in the temple, and no man laid hands on him, for his hour was not yet come. Then said Jesus again unto them, I go my way, and ye shall seek me, and ye shall die in your sins. Whither I go, ye cannot come. Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, ye cannot come. And he said unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. Ye are of this world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you, that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Then said they unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus saith unto them, Even the same that I said unto you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge of you, but he that sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spoke to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things which please him. As he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If ye continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We be Abraham's seed, and were never in bondage to any man. How sayest thou, ye shall be made free? Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Whosoever committeth sin is the servant of sin, and the servant abideth not in the house forever, but the son abideth ever. If the son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. I know that ye are Abraham's seed, but ye seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and you do that which you have seen with your father. They said, and they answered and said unto him, Abraham is our father. Jesus saith unto him, If ye were Abraham's children, ye would do the works of Abraham. But now ye seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Ye do the deeds of your father. Then say they unto him, We be not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Why do ye not understand my speech? And even because ye cannot hear my word. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. 
When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own. For he is a liar and the father of it. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Which of you convinceth me of sin? And if I say the truth, why do you not believe me? He that is of God heareth God's words. Ye therefore hear them not, because ye are not of God. Then answered the Jews and said unto him, Ye say we not, well, that thou art a Samaritan and has a devil? Jesus answered, I have not a devil, but I honour my father, and ye do dishonour me. And I seek not my own glory, that there is one that seeketh and judgeth. Verily, verily, I say unto you, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. Then said the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou hast a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who makest thou thyself? Jesus answered, If I honour myself, my honour is nothing. It is my Father that honoureth me, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him, and keep his saying. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. Then took they up stones to cast at him. But Jesus hid himself, and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. It's a long chapter, but it's all continuous. It's all a continuous testimony to the opposition that Jesus faced while on this earth. As a matter of fact, though... These last two chapters, 7 and 8, appear perhaps a third of the way through the book, yet it was his last few weeks, if not months, if not weeks, on earth. Because the first few chapters had, was very, um, given a very broad overview of his early life. They didn't have the details that Matthew had, that Luke had, of his birth and, and early childhood. It was because John was focusing on something different. You remember John um, was the one that Jesus said that he would not taste death until he see him come again, until he see the Son of Man again. And it appears that according to history, according to the best available uh, estimates that John had written this in his later years of his life, and he probably lived to the age of 90 or so, 80 or 90, written somewhere around about 90 AD. He was a young disciple of Jesus, and yet he lived the oldest. And he probably knew that, that the other 
uh, uh, the gospel writers had already written a detailed history of the events of Jesus on this earth. So his focus was not so much on all the details, but the focus of, of Jesus' teaching, of John's teaching about Jesus was the deity of Jesus, that Jesus was God come in the flesh. Because at the time that he was writing this, there was a many, there were many false prophets, there were many uh, antagonists and, and, and detractors of the, the, the apostles. And John, being the last one, surviving one perhaps, faced this uh, head-on. There were the, uh, the cult called the, the Gnostics that were teaching this, that Jesus could not have come to the earth if he was God, because it was, it was uh, polluting that he would come to this sinful earth and, and, and pollute himself. And so John in his, in his, in his um, epistles says, if any man say that Jesus Christ or the, that, that, that Christ has not come in the flesh, the same is the Antichrist. Why? Because John was, was, was emphasizing how the Son of Man was also the Son of God. That he was the God-man. And if you notice, throughout this scripture, <clears throat> he uses the word, I am. At the very last verse or second to last verse, when he was responding to the Jewish claim that they were of their father Abraham, but and they weren't born of fornication. In in ways um, implying that Jesus was that Jesus was not a legitimate child. That he was born out of wedlock. He wasn't born of, they weren't born of fornication, but Jesus was born of fornication. There may have been rumors swirling around that Joseph wasn't the real father because he claimed to be the son of God or son of another person. And so he said, if you were Abraham's children, then you would listen to Abraham. Because Abraham. Rejoice to see my day. Abraham rejoiced to see the day when the, when the prophecy would come to pass that were given to Abraham that he would be the father of many, many nations. That the lineage of the Messiah would come through the loins of Abraham. In, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. And Jesus had to be constantly um, fighting this, this, this spiritual battle against the, the Jewish leaders who claimed to have known the scriptures. The Jews uh, said to him, Now we know that you have a devil. We know that you have a devil because Abraham is dead. And the prophets that thou sayest, If a man keep my saying, he shall never taste of death. 
Are you greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? We know in another place, he says to the, uh, to the Jews, I think it was Matthew chapter 22, to the Sadducees. He says, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's not the God of the dead. Implying that these were alive. These had been resurrected somehow. They were alive. In the, in the um, parable of the unjust steward, Jesus gave the parable of how the Lazarus, who was poorly treated on this earth, went into Abraham's bosom, already identifying Abraham is somewhere in paradise, in a place called paradise, perhaps. Abraham is not dead. There is a resurrection. Moses and Elijah were in the mount with Jesus in the mount of transfiguration. They were not dead, in the, still in the grave, that is. They were resurrected. And according to human's wisdom, human wisdom, they say, this could not be. You must be, you must be out of it. You must be a Samaritan. You're a half-breed. The Samaritans were those that were rejected by the Jews because they mixed the remnants of those that weren't carried away to Assyria mixed with the local uh, Gentiles and they become hybrids and they were rejected by the Jews and they said, you must be a hybrid. You are not a pure Jew and you must have a devil. Today we may get a whole lot of... um, not the same rhetoric as we hear here, but people scoffing at the thought that Jesus was the Son of God, or that Jesus was indeed crucified, or that Jesus was in fact what the Bible says he was. Jesus didn't get vindictive. Jesus didn't even flinch. As a matter of fact, He just responded to them with the word, with the word of God. He showed from the scriptures how the scriptures pointed to him. And he says, I don't need your witness. I don't need your witness. It says in... um, In the earlier verse... can find it as and as he spake on these things on these words many believed on him not every single Jew that heard these things were with the leaders there were some that believed on him because it had the ring of truth it had the ring of truth there were things that were said in the Uh, the prophets and in the early scriptures that they couldn't fully understand but when someone is willing to to believe God will give them that extra light to follow to increase their faith John 
the first uh, chapter says this. He was not that light. This is John the Baptist. He, he was not that light, but was sent to be a witness of that light. That was the true light which lights every man that cometh into the world. So there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light, but he pointed to that light that lights every man that comes into the world. Many, there are many that believe that the only way someone can believe is if God first awakens his understanding, regenerates him, and therefore he can believe. But that's not what the scripture says. The scripture says that he that hath to him shall be given even more. What does that mean? He that takes that little bit of word of God, that little revelation from God, and follows that little light... Because God lights every man that comes into the world. God will give him more light. God will reveal things to him. Is it true that God gives people faith? It's true in this sense. That when the word of God comes upon us. And we look at it and we examine it. And we say. Hmm, that that, that, could, that could well be true. And then you start searching more. And you start seeking more. And you start following that little light, the spark that God has given you, God will reveal to you more. It is because the word of God is his chosen method of changing the heart, of changing the mind, of renewing the mind, those that follow the light that God has given them will be given more. 1 Peter chapter 1 says that we are not born again by corruptible things, like silver and gold, but by the incorruptible things, by the word of God which lives and abides forever. And it's this word of God if we, as, as it says later on in this chapter, if we abide in that word, if we remain in that word, that we can, our minds can be transformed through the agency of the Holy Spirit. The Jews of that time had so much uh, scripture from the Old Testament, yet they were blind. Jesus said, ye are from beneath, I am from above, ye are from the world, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. You would think that if someone told me today that if you continue to eat this food, you will die of cancer. I would be perhaps irresponsible if I said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Lots of people eat this food. If I was irresponsible, I would do that. 
But if I were to now say, well, maybe there's something to this. Let me go and research this. And then I find out, yes, this is carcinogenic. If the person says, if you continue to eat this food, you will die of cancer. If you continue to ignore and reject the word of God, you will die in your sins. The problem is, people say, oh, that's not for me. I'm, I'm, I'm of a stronger metabolism or biological makeup. I, it will never happen to me. And perhaps we think, perhaps what Jesus said here is, is for somebody else, or it's for the future, and we put it off. But he said, if you don't do this, if you continue in the way you have, if you continue to reject me, you will die in your sins, and you will seek me, and you will not find me, and you will die in your sins. And you know, it's sad to say, many that put off salvation, there comes a time where it's irreversible. Oh, everything is possible with God. But I know of people that have rejected the word of God. That have got themselves into so much sin. That they have burned out their brains with alcohol and cigarettes and drugs. And basically, it will take a real miracle to overcome. People have. But there's a time, as the song says, there's a line that is drawn by rejecting the Lord. I remember that song when it came to Canada 45 years ago. There's a line that is drawn by rejecting the Lord. And this is what Jesus was telling the, the Jews of his time. You keep on rejecting me. You keep on saying, you know, prove yourself, prove yourself. I have witnesses, but you won't read it. It's in your word. It's in the prophecies, in the, in the scriptures you've been given, and you won't listen. Verse 24 says, I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins, for if ye believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. It's very interesting how many times you see that word, I am he. If you look in your Bible, please look. If you believe not that I am, he is in italics. You know what that means? It means that the translator inserted that in here. But in the, in the Greek, if you believe not that I am, you shall die in your sins. The same thing he said, as, as I mentioned earlier. Verily, verily, I say unto you, verse 58, before Abraham was, I am. Who is the I am? How many I am's are there in the Gospel of John? 
Check it out yourself. I won't tell you here. What Jesus was claiming to be was the Son of God, deity. And it's for this reason that they sought to kill him. We heard that this morning. We hear it here again. They sought to kill Jesus because he claimed to be deity, divine, from above God, the Son. Instead, they said, you're a Samaritan. You have a devil. We can look back at the Jews of of yesteryear and say, yeah, they should have known. Didn't they see this? Didn't they see it brought as daylight? Didn't they see all the prophecies that that, uh, were made of him? Why couldn't they believe? You know, unbelief is is not denying the existence of God. Unbelief is not denying the existence of God. Read Hebrews. Unbelief, as as defined by the Hebrews uh, author, was knowing who God was, was and disobeying him. They believed in God. They believed that God led them out of Egypt. They believed that, they saw the miracles, the plagues, they saw everything. But they didn't enter the rest that God had prepared for them in the promised land because of unbelief. Not because they didn't believe in the existence of God. Unbelief is just another term for disobedience. And serving some other God apart from the God of heaven and earth. Every form of disobedience, every form of rebellion is unbelief. You believe in God, but you reject his commands. And as mentioned this morning, There's probably a reason for that. Because if you say, yes, I do believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Messiah of the world. Now there's a big responsibility. You cannot plead ignorance. Many would say when they go to court, they get a speeding ticket. Oh, I didn't know what the speed limit was. They plead ignorance. Thinking that their charge will be less. But my friend, even this world says that ignorance will not change the sentence of the government. It's no excuse. Ignorance of the law is no excuse. It won't change the sentence that the judge gives you. He says, you will seek me and you will not find me. You'll die in your sins. It's a scary thought. Go back to chapter, go to chapter 9. Same thing. 
after his miracle of healing the man that was blind from birth. Jesus said unto them, For this for judgment am I come into this world that they which see not might see and that they which see might be made blind. Because you profess to see and don't want to look into the real truth of who you are and what your destination is. God will con confirm you in your blindness. Jesus said unto them, If you were blind, you should have no sin. But now you say, We see. We know what's going on. We understand everything. Your sin remaineth. My dear friend outside of Jesus, I don't know how to say this anymore, but you've been listening to the word of God so many, many, many years. You were raised by your parents who many times weep over you, pray for you. Because there's no love greater than the parent for the child. We're not asking you to convert because of them. We're asking you to, pleading with you as ambassadors for Christ, as Paul puts it, to be reconciled to God. Because a time may come where you will be confirmed in your sins. Where you will seek him and you won't find him. I know one of our dear brothers in our congregations, his brother was found dead in an alleyway because of alcoholism. I know I have a brother in Australia who is probably heading the same way except a miracle occur. You may not be an alcoholic or a druggie, but you may be brainwashed with, the, with a false sense of hope for something that this world can give you and thinking it's going to happen and then one day something happens to you. Like the accident that happened two weeks ago in New Jersey. Like you may suffer some other illness. And you may say, Doug, you're being too dramatic. You're being way too dramatic. What are the, what are the consequences by rejecting Jesus today? What are the consequences? Would I be too dramatic if you were to be killed in a car accident today? Am I trying to scare you? I'm not coaxing. I'm trying to say that it's a possibility. And if it's a possibility, the risk that you are taking by rejecting the Lord are eternal. 
I said it once before, and before I close, I'll say it again. If you're a mathematician, you know arithmetic. All you need to know is the multiplication sign. The risk of something happening is equal to the probability that it happens times the consequences of it happening. For example, if you speed, the probability of you getting a ticket is maybe one in a 10,000, and the ticket may be $500. So your risk you're taking is 500 over 10,000. It's peanuts. <laughs> I'll take that risk. That's why people speed. That's why people text. But the consequences of texting and driving could be that you die. What's the risk of that? What, what number do you put on dying? If you don't believe in God, the number you may put on dying is a million. So the risk you're taking is 0 0.01, say, times a million. Now it's starting to get a bit bigger, right? It's starting to get a bit bigger. So the risk is 10,000, maybe? What is the risk that if you die without Jesus Christ... Within the next two weeks, you say, oh, it's 10 to the minus 6. 10 to the minus 6 that I might die without Jesus Christ within two weeks. What's the consequence of that? A million? 10 million? A hundred billion? A gazillion? You multiply that by 10 to the minus 6. What do you get? The risk is eternal. The risk is eternal. I pray that you would really think about the risk you are taking in putting off Jesus. It's eternal. May the Lord bless his word. I remember being in Upper Marlboro, the church there, perhaps in 1992-ish. I was a guest at one of the believers' place. And they told me that they had a baptism, I think it was. Brother Bob Freund was preaching, Becky's grandpa. And at the end of the service, he said, who knows if one of you will die in a, an accident today. What will your life be then? I'm just sort of paraphrasing. That night, The family was having supper and they were waiting for the teenage boys to come home. And it had already been, time been going past six o'clock, they wouldn't show up for supper. And time was going on and what's going on, they decided, to, I don't know how, I can't remember the exact sequence of events, but they went back down the road 
to see where, where could they be. They weren't responding. And sure enough, there was a, an accident. He had a motorbike. One of the sons had a motorbike that he was riding home. And he took the curve too fast. He went straight off the edge of the road into a tree. His life was snuffed out. Who knows if one of you will not make it home tonight. It says the father went to the grave every week. He went to the grave of his young boy every week. He wasn't the same man again. Because he lost his boy. My prayer for you young people, don't put it off. Yeah, you see Doug crying up here, but don't put it off. You never know. Hebrews 9.27, I think, says that for it is appointed that a man will die. One day a man will die. And then comes a judgment. May the Lord impress upon your hearts the urgency today if you hear his voice. You don't have to be young, you can be old, but today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. May the Lord bless his word.